So you want to start a podcast. You feel like it's what God's putting on your heart to do, but you have no idea where to go from there. Anchor.fm is what I used to edit and to put this podcast out to you each and every week. So if you feel like that's on your heart, you don't know where to start and you want something super easy, go to anchor.fm and get started today. Welcome to season 13 of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I cannot wait for you to hear the freedom story of the individual in today's podcast episode. I pray that it will leave you encouraged and it will also lead you to a closer relationship with God. Please share this with whoever you think needs to hear this message today. And thank you for your continued support and for listening and being with me for almost three years now. So God bless and let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. Yes, we are doing two this week because my friend Andy Andrew is on the podcast today and she has a book coming out on Tuesday called Braving Change. And we're going to talk more about that book and her other books to which I've been on the launch teams for. So we'll get to talk more about all that later. But right now, let's learn more about Andy. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And it was so fun to put a face to the name of someone who was on my launch teams. Like that's a really fun little treat. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, what do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I mean, I have been almost married for 22 years. Mm -hmm. I um, have got four amazing humans, four kids, one that has left us. We um, pastored a church in New York City for 12 years and transitioned that just two years ago to two of our friends. And now we live in Charleston, South Carolina. But our eldest son left the nest, if you will, and has moved back to New York because that was home for him. So um, I'm homeschooling two kids and the other one is going to join him next year because he thinks it looks really fun. Uh, (laughs) And I have written, gosh, four books now. And I get to travel and speak and invest in churches. And my local church gets to be on the teaching team here at Seacoast Church and podcast when I can seasonally. I'm a weird seasonally, but I'm very inspired by you and how regular you podcast. So well done. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So actually in a couple of days, it will make three years that I've been doing this and I love it. That is so cool. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So let's talk about your freedom story. So I think for me, when I was 19 years old, I mean, that was when I came to Christ. That was the year I came to Christ. So everybody, that was 1998. So if you're really quick at math, you can tell how old I am. But (laughs) um, that was like such a radical transformation for me. I grew up in what would be considered a religious cult where there was a lot of control and manipulation and uh, my mom was abused. The men were like controlled and emasculated. So I grew up in a home where... I was really my mom's mom, her emotional mother, and my father was not present. So because of that, I learned how to be a raging codependent without knowing what that was. Mm -hmm. And also just kind of gave my life away, really wanted love. So slept with people, did all the stuff, nothing worked, um, but it made me feel good for a while until my parents pulled out of the church that we grew up in. 
and I had come back from uh, university. I was at my first, my freshman year at the University of Washington. I came back that summer and um, my parents said, Hey, we're going to this church. We want you to come with us. And I didn't want to come, but uh, my dad was like, we want you to come. And it was the first time my dad really stood up and said something in a direct way. And something about that leadership that he had actually <laughs> caused me to want to go. And uh-huh. I remember being in worship and they were singing delirious. And once again, if you're older, <laughs> go look them up. If not Google it, there's a song called I could sing of your love forever. Mm-hmm. And I remember as they sang that song, I just wept and the revelation hit me that I was like, Oh my gosh, this is actually all that I want to do. I just want to sing of his love forever. This is the love I've been looking for. And it completely wrecked me. And I remember they like did an altar call. They're like, if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. And I just remember running to the front. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember is going, this is all I want. I want to give my life to this. And, um, and honestly, it was like a wild, complete 180 turnaround from there. But that was really where the freedom journey began. Um, mm-hmm. Because it was like, you give your life to Jesus, you are completely saved and one with him. And then there was like, you know, the honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. And then all of the issues right at the right time just started to come to the surface that I needed to deal with. And so it has been literally for gosh, how many years is that now? 24, 25? I don't know, something like that. <laughs> I've been been following him for a while now. And all the math people are rolling their eyes because they already figured out how many years that is. But um <laughs> but yeah, so that is that was the beginnings of the freedom journey, but there's a whole lot more after that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And I do remember delirious. Like I'm sitting over here smiling because I do remember that. And I'm a 1996 person. So I completely remember all of that. <laughs> but <laughs> so I love your story of how he, he took you out of one situation that was very legalistic, cultish, yeah. and has now brought you complete freedom. So is there yeah. any other parts of your freedom story that you would like to oh. share with everybody? I can share a lot. Um, I think, like I said, it's like the layers you give your life to Jesus. And then year after year, um, there's that sanctification journey. There's that peeling Mm -hmm. off and becoming more and more like Christ, which is becoming more and more free. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was, um, started with my mom and being really angry with her and realizing like the reality of my upbringing and feeling a deep anger and self-righteousness really like I judged everyone like I was so holy and I moved to Australia and met my husband and you know it was almost like I got as far away from my family and the life I used to have Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got pregnant with my firstborn and I remember at that stage, I was really treating my mom with a lot of contempt. I was very angry, unkind, and cruel towards her and really harbored a lot of unforgiveness. And that was the moment where um, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, Andy, do you want your children to treat you the way that you're treating your mom? Mm -hmm. And that was a big wake-up call for me, especially being pregnant with my firstborn, realizing, no, actually, I don't want this generationally to continue. And that was a pivotal moment of it's time to go after more freedom Mm -hmm. and deal with my unforgiveness, which is the root of so many other things. And I was not only in counseling weekly, but I remember this moment where I was um, big and pregnant and Mm -hmm. um, just reading the story of the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Mm -hmm. And as I read that story, um, 
it was like, I saw my mom for the first time mm-hmm. and my heart broke and I got down on my knees and said, Oh my gosh, God, I forgive her. I forgive her. And I felt like the Lord said to me, that's good because you were the Pharisee that threw her at my feet when you should be down on your knees next to her. And, and I was with my big pregnant belly between my legs. I just was on the floor repenting and receiving the love of God and his forgiveness. And that was really the beginning of a journey um, of understanding the power of letting go of bitterness and contempt and rage and um, unforgiveness really. And how that opened a door to so much more freedom in my life to the point where my mom and I completely reconciled. Uh, She is a birth uh, and postpartum doula. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted her there with the birth of my children. And so when she came, I ended up just sitting on on the floor with her as we were folding little Zeke's little clothes before he was born. And I just said, I just want to ask you, you'll forgive me for the way I've treated you for so long. And she just wept and we both wept and she's like, of course I forgive you. And, and that was like the beginning of rebuilding something. So I know for most people, um, you know, you may not get that moment with your mom, but you can have that moment with Jesus. And so for me, that was, that was one of a very pivotal moment that flowed over into years. I mean, even into, Uh, I've read a lot about that and she is free and in friendship, it's complicated. I go even deeper about how my brokenness issues with women, my mom in particular, became a lens for my relationship with other women and how much there was just another season, another layer, another moment of healing and freedom that was needed. And um, I think it's like, you know, you get married. I always say, you realize how selfish you are. You have children. You realize how angry you are. (laughs) And (laughs) Every season when those things get squeezed out is an opportunity for healing and more freedom. And so, you know, I got married, there was levels of, and layers of freedom that came there. I had children, had toddlers, had three kids under the age of three. Um, That was when I had like a breakdown and there was more levels of freedom there. Like where God was like, you don't have to remain stuck in your past abuse and pain and control. Um, I can actually heal that. And so I think my whole life has just been one big, long story of continued uh, surrender and obedience to allow Christ to do whatever he needs to do. Like I'm all for the heart surgery. I'm all for radical obedience and getting, getting what you need, doing whatever it takes to live free. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. And I know that that'll hit people like me who have also had issues with their, their moms and women. And the first piece I ever put out in writing was about the relationship I had with my mom. Yeah. And unfortunately I never got to reconcile that before she Mm -hmm. passed away. But again, that's work I've also had to do with Jesus and with a counselor to get all that. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. cause you know, I, we talk a lot, I've had a lot of people on the podcast and we talk about how counseling and even medication and that kind of stuff can really help you when you need it. And Mm -hmm. that God has provided those things and provided the avenues to use those different um, modalities or whatever word you want to use modalities. I'm in a medical field. So that's what I use. Um, (laughs) I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were going through all the deep layers of healing, what Bible verse or verses kept you anchored? 
Yeah, for me, I would say that Psalm 91, I know it's like a verse that a lot of people love, but I think for me, it's the scriptural picture that you get is, mm-hmm. you know, you dwells in the shelter of the most high I will find rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust as mm-hmm. uh, surely will save me from the fowler snare and on and on it goes. And I think for me, that was a very particular moment where I remember falling on the ground, just like broken and undone. And that was the, that was kind of the mental, spiritual picture vision that God gave me was Mm -hmm. how he wrapped his like protection around me as I walked through the healing process. Like I felt warm. I felt the presence of God. I knew Jesus was kneeling there beside me. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, that has definitely been, uh, a huge anchor for me. Psalm 91 definitely has been. Mm-hmm. I love that verse so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, a, it is such a great picture, especially if you're a visual person of that, mm-hmm. of him just wrapping his arms around you every time. Yeah, totally. So let's get into some of your books. Now you talked about She is Free, which was your first book. So mm-hmm. let's get, let's talk a little bit about that book. Um, gosh, well, she is free. That's bringing out the archives. I think that one came out in 2016. Um, and that honestly, it's, it's one of my favorite books. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's because it's the first one, Mm -hmm. but also it's the sweet story of freedom and everyday deliverance and doing whatever it takes to, you know, be set free from the lies that hold us captive. Because I mean, that is literally what the enemy does. He has no truth in him. So therefore he lies and we, Um, and that is like an unraveling book. So I think for those that are like listening, if you're in a place where you're like, I can't afford a therapist right now, or I'm like trying to figure out how to do this. That is just like a sweet book that will take you deep and into the presence of God to find healing and hope again in different areas and do some work, you know, do some deep heart work and, and healing work. So Um, that one was just like a a really beautiful, sweet book to write. I enjoyed it, but I also have seen the continued impact of it. People continue to buy it, post it. I'm always surprised. I'm like, people are still getting this thing. So, um, (laughs) so it's just a really helpful book. If freedom is literally what you need, start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then your next book, Faker Follower. Yeah, that one came out of pastoring in New York City. <laughs> um, so I think for me, you know, it's black or white. You're following Jesus or you're not, you know, and I think um, we all have our low seasons and hard seasons mm-hmm. and, you know, none of us are perfect, but that is really, you know, the subtitle is refuse to settle for a shallow faith. And that came out of even just a dream that I had, a prophetic dream that I had where I was walking downtown Brooklyn with my two youngest children beside me. And there was an angel that was walking with us, but you could tell that there was some form of attack that had happened to the city the night before. Mm -hmm. And there were just these pictures all around and um, there were a pile of dead bodies. And in the, in the dream, um, people were taking selfies with the dead bodies Mm -hmm. and um, an officer was pushing them away And even that right there, just pause. It was like this picture of society today where there are people that are dead. They're not following Jesus. They need the love of God. And we're just taking pictures and selfie. Like life is about us, death, Mm -hmm. destruction, taking pictures with it instead of seeking and saving that, which is lost. And, um, 
And so even the other part was about raising up the generations in that dream. Uh, there was all these landmines everywhere and mm-hmm. um, you could tell bombs that could go, go off. And I remember in the dream, the angel just looking at me and nodding, like take your children and walk in there. Mm-hmm. And it was this picture of like raising up the generations to know how to go into dangerous places mm-hmm. and carry the light and hope of the world. So um, that is really what fake or follower is, is, um, the premise of it, of it is about. So that's like another layer of like, okay, ready to go deeper. That's where Mm -hmm. I want to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first saw the title of that and it's like really big on the front cover, like faker follower. It's like, yeah. Like it gets you right in the face, right. When you first pick up that book. It's a little intense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We need that. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes that's what we need. Yeah, exactly. It's a fresh kick in the pants that we all need. (laughs) (laughs) Then you talk about friendship. It's complicated. And Mm -hmm. that one's, that one really does speak to a lot of adult women where relationships. Mm -hmm. I think for me, again, the premise of that book and the reason why it was even triggered to be written was getting to a place where I had been leading in a church, been following Jesus for quite a while and realized that I was in this season where my relationships with my closest women were all burning to the ground. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is going on? And pointing the finger, you know, at all the things everyone else was doing. And then I just felt like that nudge, that little kick um, from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you're the common denominator in every relationship that you're in realizing, oh goodness, like, God, I'm so sorry. Like Mm -hmm. I need to work on me. So, um, and again, a lot of that is birthed out of my relationship with my mother. The first chapter is called the woman wound, because a lot of times we hear about the father wound and how our relationship um, to or lack thereof with our father affects us, but we don't often talk about how our relationship with our mother, mother affects us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my mom actually wrote part of that first chapter, which is really cool mm-hmm. because of a lot of the redemption in the years that we have been walking in that. So I, I really start there and it's this journey of dealing with your own heart, like mm-hmm. taking care of your own, like dealing with yourself and then being able to show up at the table and be intentional in relationships with other women. So that one is going to be like a open heart surgery journey and then an intentional journey of growing and building the relationships that are around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as adult women, it is really difficult for us, not maybe not even just to form the friendship, but then to keep it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with, um, I talk a lot about my friend Irene and this line that she says, be authentic with the many and vulnerable with a few. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, in this day and age, we're very good at being vulnerable with the many on like social media platforms where no one can really touch you, like sharing this vulnerable post, but we don't know how to do that one-on-one with people where, I mean, true vulnerability and trust actually means that it, we could be betrayed, that trust could be broken. So to actually really build relationships requires a lot of risk. And it's a risk that's worth taking because um, I talk about isolation a bit in there. Self-preservation is willfully choosing the pain of isolation over the pain of messy, godly connection. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we got to realize too, is like, it's painful either way. It's painful to be alone and relationships are not perfect. So they can be painful. So which pain do you choose? 
mm-hmm. because we're, we are literally created to be in relationship with God and with one another. And that's the one thing the enemy comes after is our relationship with God mm-hmm. and with one another. So we have to be intentional in how we build and grow those things. Yeah, definitely. I know for a long time, I personally, I had one friend and when that friendship ended, it like I was lost and Mm. it took a long time for me to find the core group of girls that I have right now. And I'll tell you what, I don't know where I'd be without those girls. They are amazing. So once you find them, like, like you said, be intentional. Yeah, that's amazing. Now let's talk about braving change that comes out that comes out Tuesday. So what was your thought process behind the book, your inspiration? Yeah, well, this one really was triggered. Like it felt like it was the right time to write it Mm -hmm. um, when we moved from New York City to Charleston. So that was like the window of time that I wrote it in. Um, It was very fresh, but it also is a journey that God has really been doing a deep work in me on. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that came out of a massive season of transition that I actually write about in Faker Follower when my mother-in-law passed away and my Mm -hmm. parents who were with us eight years we're moving uh, from New York to California. Um, there was a lot of loss happening. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up and realized that there had been a lot of loss in relationship too, pastoring and leading and not even just pastoring and leading um, in life. There's a lot of change yeah. and there's the change that we ask for. Like there's the change that we cry out to God for that actually starts to happen in our lives. And then there's the change that happens to us. There's good change, hard change, traumatic change. There's so many types of change. And, you know, back in that season, that was when the Lord started to really teach me. He said, you know, Andy, you've cried out for change, but you're like the Israelites. Like you want to go back to your meat pots in the land you used to be in. When you've asked me to move you forward, I'm trying to move you forward, but you keep going back to what was. And so that was kind of the beginning rumblings of that. And then um, over the years that followed, like understanding that the crescendo really of the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew 7 is after Jesus is literally changing everything, ushering in Mm -hmm. a new covenant, he gives the sermon on the Mount, which is the most difficult sermon to actually live. But then he tells us, he says, Hey, if you actually listen to my words and do them, it's like building your house on a rock. So when the storms come and the winds and the waves come and beat on the house, it's not going to fall down. And if you listen to my words and don't do them, it's like building your life on the sand. And when the rains and the storms come, good luck. It's all going to come crashing down. And I think for me walking through 2020, as we all did together, even 2021, it was like, wow, like I really learned personally what I built my life on Mm -hmm. and what other people built their life on. And I just knew there's more change to come. Uh, And like I said, when I started writing this, we knew it was time to transition our church. It was time after 12 years of pastoring it, it was somebody else's turn and our assignment was done. And that change really was catalytic for processing and dealing on a deeper level with what it was to brave change, to actually release the past, to actually welcome growth and then trust where God was leading us. And so that's the journey that we go on in that book. And, and for many people, it can be getting married is a change you ask for. And even that requires a lot of bravery, um, having babies. That's amazing. Like getting a new job. It could be what you 
hoped your life would look like. And it just doesn't the crashing down of a dream, the pain of loss, um, whatever that looks like, how do we brave the changes in front of us? Mm -hmm. And so that's the premise. Well, you talk about triune beings Mm -hmm. in the book. Can we dive a little bit into that concept? Yeah, I think it's really important because after we, um, in essence, like the change happens, we have to learn how to do those things. Like I was saying, release the past, welcome growth and trust where God is leading us. The welcoming growth part really comes down to us paying attention to the fact that we are spirit, soul, and body. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really break this down in like a time to recover and needing a game plan to move forward after you walk through change. And paying attention to what in your life needs to change. What does that game plan look like? Where's your spiritual life at? How are you really doing? What, where are you at? Maybe, and for me, sometimes I'm like, where's your mind at? Do you need therapy right now? Do you, you talked about medication. Is that something that you need to look into? Um, where is your soul? Where, where is that soul person? But then with the spirit, it's like, do you need deliverance? Do you need healing in your spirit? Do you need to dig deeper in those areas of your life and your body? What does your body need? Um, do you need to change what you're eating? What's one change you can make today that will actually change everything. I have a friend who has been going through a really difficult time and she casually said, I've been getting up early every morning and walking my dog and praying for an hour. And I'm like, and she's been doing it for like 20 days. I was like, that's a really big deal. Like mm -hmm. we celebrated together. Cause I was like, that's a change that will change your life. Right. Um, when you're paying attention and that feeds the spirit that feeds the body. So I think when I talk about being trying beings, uh, when we walk through change, being aware of uh, being self-aware enough to understand what needs to be taken care of and what needs to grow and what needs to heal as you walk through transformation. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And walking the dog every day for an hour while praying, that is a great feat. Yes. <laughs> so much is getting done. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you also talk about having a game plan while you're dealing mm. with recovery. Um, yeah. What kind of steps do you suggest people take? Well, I think, you know, your game plan is going to look different every mm -hmm. season of change that you walk through. And, um, so like, if you're having a baby, like, what do you really need? What is your game plan to not go crazy and feel like you're never going to see a friend again? You know, yeah. like <laughs> you have to have a game plan where it's like, okay, every Tuesday I go out to the park, even though it is so difficult to get out of the house, but I invite friends and we go and we, we touch base together. Maybe mm -hmm. it's exercise. Maybe it's, you know, all of those sorts of things. Like I said, seasonally for me, the game plan has looked different five years ago when I went through a real season of heaviness and I needed help. Um, part of that game plan for me in that season was I did a celebrate recovery group with a group of pastors. And mm -hmm. that was because my friend Irene said here, you you're going to be okay, but you need a game plan. And it's really was her inspiration where I realized this is true. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was not for addiction to, you know, alcohol, but it was for codependency, mm -hmm. which I talked about a little bit in friendship. It's complicated. So had that weekly discipleship in my life and, and connection and healing with other women. I went to a counseling intensive. I changed my rhythm, um, in the mornings and I changed my, um, habits of taking care of my body. And so I think that game plan of recovery and even rest, I talk about rhythms of rest, 
and all of the things that we need to have in this game plan so that we we can really take care of ourselves. When we just moved to Charleston, I realized, you know what I could do? I'm not pastoring a church anymore. I could hide. And right when I heard that, I was like, part of my game plan is I choose to not hide. I choose to show up in places where I have to meet other people. Um, I choose to be vulnerable to the right people so that I can continue Mm -hmm. to grow. So, um, and for other people, it's going to be like, you know what? I need to go away to a hotel all by myself and ask God what the game plan is. But, you know, seasonally paying attention to what your spirit, soul and body need and leaning into that and doing that. But understand that the rhythms of grace change because seasons change. So Mm -hmm. just what you need right now may not be what you need in six months. So if that starts to shift again, just pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. That's such great advice. So Mm -hmm. I know I am looking forward to reading this book. And also digging into the last several chapters where you talk about moving through positive change. So what are some mm. different ways that we can do that and create peace? Oof, yeah. I mean, moving through positive change. So again, I know this is wild, but this is kind of what the Lord said to me when I was being negative about some changes that I had asked for. He said, you know, Andy, transition can be a teacher or it can take you out. Mm-hmm. It can shape and mold you more into the likeness of Christ or it can cause you to crumble. And so um, to be able to grow through positive change and to find peace, I just talk about a few different things. I talk about um, the the three things that I'll highlight here are I talk about um, choosing gratitude, choosing rhythms of rest and choosing to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I think um, as we choose gratitude, I mean, you can hold grief and gratitude intention, which is so wild. Mm -hmm. You can grieve the losses that you have suffered, um, even in positive change, because Mm -hmm. even in positive, it was a positive change for us to move to Charleston. This has been the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, but we lost some stuff and that was hard. So I knew in one moment of prayer in the morning or in the middle of the day, I could be grieving and crying in the next minute, just shouting to God for gratitude for all that he's done. And so paying attention to that is really important. So choosing gratitude um, is a, it is a choice uh, because it's very easy to grumble and figure out all of the things that are difficult and hard. I think rhythms of rest are really important too. If you're not resting, um, and taking care of your body and taking care of your soul, you are going to crumble. And I think that, um, I've learned that the hard way in the seasons where I've pushed and haven't had a Sabbath, like a true Sabbath where on Saturday we choose to not have a plan and we choose to just glory in God, whatever we do and have so much fun. Mm -hmm. And that could be organizing a cupboard or staring at the ocean, whatever is needed for that day or reading a whole novel in one sitting, whatever Mm -hmm. you need. Um, and then, you know, just, Choosing to rebuild. I think once you've walked through a change, you've got to look around at what's broken down and what needs to be left and not picked back up and what God wants you to rebuild. Mm -hmm. Um, Often it's right in front of you. So paying attention to relationships that need more care or time and being able to give that. And so those are some of the ways that we can find peace in the middle of the shifting and the changing. Mm -hmm. So good. Like I said, I'm really excited for this book to come out Tuesday And I know other people will be as well, because a lot of us are going through transitions. Everybody's going through some sort of transition, good, bad, ugly, positive, negative. I mean, everybody's going through something. So just how you look at it will change what's going on around you. Yeah. 
even if the actual actions are not changing, your yeah. action will. So yeah. where can mm -hmm. people find you? Yeah, people can find me. Um, my social media handles are pretty much all the same. It's Andy, A-N-D-I, Andrew, no S. <laughs> so at Andy <laughs> Andrew. Um, and my website's the same. So andyandrew.com. And on there, you can find all of my books, free resources, the link to my podcast, uh, gosh, my travel dates where I'm speaking, all that sort of stuff. So those are probably the best ways where you can find me. Awesome. You guys go check Andy out, go check out all of her resources and congratulations on the book release. Thank you so much. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next episode. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode.